Hi, this is a podcast of the best bits of the Breakfasters for week ending June 11th. Jordan Hickey's last week. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on uh, on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on this podcast, you'll hear, like I said, it's my last week. Sarah and Daniel brought in some gifts for me, so we talked about that. We brought in some cakes, in fact. Uh, Three special cakes for a special person. That's right. And uh, Dan Morganti came in as well for Game Changers, filling in for Adam Christou, and he talked about the last spell. Also, Digger popped in for Down and Dirty, told us um, about some, what did he talk about? Deciduous season is here. How to prune deciduous plants. (laughs) And uh, Bugman Simon Hinckley held the Invertebrate Olympics, and we've included in the podcast... The final farewell of Geraldine Hickey with her own breakfasts breakdown quiz. Melbourne's own Triple R. Last Tuesday, <laughs> I gave you my heart. Um, here we are. It's the um, I've only got a few days left. What a treat! Bringing it on home, Sarah. What have you? What have you got? Well, so uh, we had so many plans for you this week that have all been destroyed by. Oh yeah, I was just telling Sarah earlier today. I'm at the, um, I think I'm at the ex- acceptance stage <laughs> of grief. Yeah, yesterday was sad. Yeah, depression. Depression. Yeah, depression was certainly there over the weekend, and um, anger popped. <laughs> anger just, I don't. Anger, anger just, just pops up when it wants to. When it wants yeah. to, yeah. It and it's it pops up a few <laughs> times. Is it, yeah, like when you just get home and the TV doesn't work and all of a sudden you're yelling at your partner who has nothing to do with it. So, Where's that crowbar? Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Uh, well, the, and the plan was to, you know, celebrate you, obviously, with a big send-off at the end of the week. Now we're going to be doing it on air, just people can't come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to – well, Daniel and I wanted to celebrate you with a little gift each day as well. Just a little gift. Love gifts, nothing, mate. Nothing major, just a little gift. And today's gift was meant to start yesterday, but it can't. So today's gift is – here, you can have a look at it. Basically, it's – Ooh, it's a brown paper bag. Looks like, like a box of lamingtons or something. It's a, it's, the idea was to give you one of these each day this Ooh. week, but then I thought, you know what, why go small? Mm-hmm. Just, just go big, just go on, the big on the first day. On the first day. Oh, it's heavy. There's a tra- certainly a tray of some sort of baked treats in here, I reckon. I think you're onto it. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, what is it? Oh, look at that. It is all baked treats and you have gone all out on day one. Well, now, yeah, because we missed a day. We oh, missed a day, yeah. yes, mm. yes. So, two days so this is this is this is day one. Um, they are, sorry, they've fallen. Uh, no. Andrew knocked them over last night in the fridge. No problem. Rocky now, Road. Now, Love it. Wait, they're themed. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you what they are. Oh, so right. they're themed cakes. Each cake, the cakes represent a part of you. So Rocky Road is obvious. It's been a rocky road oh. this week. I think it speaks for itself. Yeah. It's very literal. And I just thought it's very representative of your final week on air. Year and a half. Year, well, year and a half. Actually, yeah, you know yeah. what? From Locky D1 <laughs> to Locky D4. D2. Rocky Road. Rocky Road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, controversial, though, because I don't know. You know, some people hate Rocky Roads, and yeah. I couldn't remember whether you were a Rocky Road oh, lover. Oh, I'm a big lover of I Rocky Road. I thought you were. Who doesn't like Rocky Road? <sighs> I think they've perfected it now where you can't really get a bad one. Right. Uh, that's my view. Yeah. What, yeah. Think, what do you reckon makes a bad one? Like, cheap marshmallow, maybe. Oh, yeah. Is that – I didn't make that up. There's marshmallow, isn't there? There's a lot of marshmallow. Or, or like, gross jelly. Mm, yeah, yeah, wrong type of jelly. Yeah, and yeah. I think it needs maybe a darker chocolate rather than a yeah, not not crazy dark. But would you? Um, how do you feel about having like um, <laughs> coconut in it? Oh yeah, yeah, it's got to have coconut. Oh, yeah, and um, sometimes you get it like this one. I can see it has um, chunks of biscuit in it. Oh, oh it's think... all about the biscuit. It's a soft, hard, yeah. oh, yum. Divine. And I think that's I think that's a really good. Some, sometimes you just oh. get marshmallow jelly. And nuts. I don't think that's enough. Mm. I think you need another level of. Um, well, where's the road? Yeah, that? exactly. You got the rocks, but you don't have the road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then we have three little passion curds, passion fruit curd tarts. Ooh, yes. And that is because you're a tart. No, yeah. you're. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's that you bring passion to everything you do. Yeah, I'm a passionate tart. You're a passionate tart. <laughs> yeah, it's all very literal. How and come there's three? Just because they're they're small, and you wanted to have yes. one for each of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I thought it'd be weird. We're all passionate tarts. <laughs> Let's be honest. We are. But that's why we're here. I think so. Yeah. I agree. It was also because I had originally planned to give you just one a day, which would have made more sense because if listeners could see this, it's a pretty, it's a ridiculous sized amount of sweets for one day. And I thought I couldn't just bring in one little tiny passion tart. I needed to bring in more than one. So yeah. that was the original concept behind three. Got you. Um, and the final piece of cake there is a Mars bar slice <gasps> because, mate, you are out of this world. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Too bloody right. Is that a Mars bar slice? I know. Wow, I thought it was just like a big slab of mud cake, but because it's covered in icing, but mm. I can see the caramel on top now. Out of this world. I or also because I um one of those a day. We'll uh, keep. Yeah. The doctor away. Yeah. How'd they get away with that? The work, what? rest, and play. Yeah. I don't know. It's unbelievable they got away with that for so long. I was trying to remember the ad last night when I was trying to yeah. think of what Mars could be. Yeah. Before I came up with out of this world. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't, re- but I couldn't remember what the thing. I could have just googled it and I didn't yeah. work, rest, and play. Is that what it was? Yeah, but one um, a day. Yeah. One a day. Yeah. Mars a day helps you yeah. work, rest, and play. Imagine that a confectionery. I tried to convince my mum to. To that's for, to, to to do that. I said, Mum, it's like the ad, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should have. We should have a supply in the pantry. <laughs> I loved Mars. I can't tell you how much I loved Mars. My, my brother and I were obsessed with Mars bars when we were kids. I remember this. That's mm. a, partly why I lent into getting mm. the Mars bar slice. Yeah, loved a Mars bar, and it was and my because my brother left school in like year nine, like mid year nine, because all he wanted to do was be a truck driver, and he is one now. But he. Um, so he left school and his first job was a trolley pusher. Mm. Like he had a full-time job pushing trolleys and it was just like – and it, that was just until he was old enough to get his truck licence. Yeah, well, right. To, he didn't get his truck licence straight away but, you know, worked at a trucking company and stuff. Um, but, one, oh, man, someone like a 15-year-old with a full-time job yeah. living oh. at home. I can't tell you how many Mars bars we were getting. <laughs> Dream. King size Mars bars. It was about the same time they came out. Like, <laughs> what are the size of this? King size can, Mars bar a day. How can you go back to a normal size Mars bar <laughs> you've after, king. after you've had a king size Mars bar? Is there anything more eighties and nineties in spending all your pocket money just on Mars bars? <laughs> so it wasn't just about it. It would be a dollar bag of mixed lollies, not twenty cents a dollar bag. That was huge. <laughs> Huge bag of mixed lollies and Mars bars and and probably a bottle of soft drink or a couple of cans, mm. a couple of cans, and then I'd the deal was that I had to go and get them. Get on your bike. Here's here's the money. Nice. Off you go. I'll time you. Triple R. Christo, game-changing for us this week is the ever-patient Dan Morganti. G'day, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Excellent. How excited were you to say in lieu of Christo? Yeah, it was a bit of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's that's I, all you can hope for. It was yeah. nice to hear. <laughs> um, now, Dan, you last we spoke, you were playing a game that I think went for about 150 years. Have you finished it, or what was the story? Uh, no, I'm still waiting for it to end. I'm just doing the... Uh, like the final ending where you just let it run through as many hours as possible. So um, I haven't reached that yet. For it's, real. Hasn't been, it hasn't been 400 days. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so what are you looking at uh, this week? Uh, so I'm looking at a game called The Last Spell, which was released on Early Access, which I'll talk about uh, last week. So it's about the last bastion of humanity, a derelict medieval town that you must defend with a few ragged troops. The town is surrounded by a purple mist, and every night, hordes of what the gang calls Chloras, but we know they're zombies, come racing out of the mist to destroy humanity's last hope. In the centre of town is a group of wizards who are casting the last spell to rid the world of magic forever and get rid of these Chloras. Just call them zombies. It it does that walking (laughs) dead thing where it, like, doesn't call them zombies, but, like, I can see them. I know what they are. It sounds Um, stupid. uh, Yeah. 
It's a, it is a little bit. Um, it's like dumb uh, fantasy fun, but uh, I really enjoyed it. I was I was playing it until two a.m. last night, which is a good indication to me that it's yeah. uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, step um, us through it. So it's a turn-based combat with roguelike roguelite elements, which means that. Uh, you get a few ragged heroes who are given to you and their stats are randomly generated. So they're given positive attributes and negative attributes. Like one of them, they might be a smoker, so they have less health and less stamina. But they're like noble, so they have like, they come with a bunch of money or something like that. So I feel like they all could these be on characters a, are. They could be on a Tinder profile. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a smoker, but I'm noble. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit like that. No, you, you get to upgrade them, and um, uh, as you progress through the game, as you kill these zombies, uh, you can uh, pick attributes that are going to uh, be better for them. Up, upgrade to Tinder Plus, or uh, <laughs> I, mean, I haven't been in the dating game for a while, so I'm not. I know you pay for it these days or something. So, um, so yeah, what what a roguelite? What a, what's roguelite? So it's basically named after a game called Rogue that came out in the late 80s, which basically meant that every game started fresh. There weren't any, uh, there weren't any upgrades that it can be had, and every time you died, your character died and you lost everything. So every time you lose, uh, and this game does that thing where at the start of the game it's hopeless, like you're going to, you're going to die at the start to show you how brutally difficult the game is. So it, sh- it shows you how your characters die and to not treat them too preciously. And then we'll ge- the next round will regenerate these heroes with different traits. So they may, um, they may be thin-blooded and uh, uh, tough. So they've got uh, thick skin, but if you do cut them... They bleed a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Now the um, Tinder profile there. This yeah. is one of those games. So you say this is one of those games where you where you no matter where you are in the game you die. You have to go back to the start. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there is a bit of persistent uh, up, uh, unlocking and upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like uh, this this goddess entity that's shrouded in shadow and speaks like it's reciting the Kim, King James Bible. It's like thou hast come far to seek the light. Thou shalt upgrade thy buildings. Okay, cool. But it's like, how hast thou noticed that even though I'm a mystical creature, I have bountiful bosom? It's like really uh, animated, like in a uh, very ex- uh, accentuated female form. It's like you, you're like a mystical goddess with the you know the power of a thousand suns, and yet you come with you know whopping bazongas. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's a little bit of a gripe I have with uh, video game animation sometimes, yeah. like these uh, female characters. That, like, it's not even a female character. It's it's literally a god, and it's animated like, uh, you know, um, very sexually. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to continue with this game. What, what is it? I, I still don't really understand. <laughs> can, can, can you... Flesh this out a little bit more for us. Yeah, do you, have you ever played maybe like Final Fantasy Tactics? No, nah, mate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, basically, it's just like turn-based. So you get to move your characters around like a small checkboard, like a chessboard, yeah. and take out all these zombies. Then your turn ends, and the zombies move forward, and you've essentially tried to plan ahead how you're going to take them out most efficiently. Mm-hmm. But the the attributes of the characters depend on how, like how you move depends on the attributes of your characters. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm across it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it yeah. one of those um, games that's deliberately low rent? Um, yeah, it's done with a pixel art, but I think like the, I, I've got to commend the, um, the developers, Ishtar Games. They've, they've really like put a lot of heart and soul into it, but, uh, I mentioned earlier early access, which is a um, which is on Steam, which is like the main video game uh, storefront, and that's a, like a where companies can release their game early, uh, like a, a pre-alpha build to um, to the public, and the public can play it knowing that it's not going to be completely finished. There's still going to be a few things that are wrong with it. Um, so I've 
um, been playing it. I've actually um, messaged this this company and given them a few ideas on what I think could be improved. Just like a few quality of life things. Like it's it's really fun. There's not really too many issues with the gameplay. It's just a few quality of life things. Like at the end of a turn, you watch the enemy take a turn, and because they're a horde of zombies, there's a million of them. So it takes forever for them to uh, complete their turn. And I just wish like you could skip through that or mm. there's just a few small quality of life things. So if you do get this game, just be aware that it it is somewhat unfinished, um, but it's like it's 99% there. And also I just want to mention the uh, the soundtrack. What's your favourite heavy metal video game soundtrack? That's right, <laughs> Doom 16. Um, <laughs> So uh, it's it's taken heavy inspiration from Doom 2016, uh, and it's it's fantastic. <laughs> like if you're into heavy metal and video game music, this is one of the best soundtracks cool. you Amazing. can listen to. Sick. Um, so what is it, and where do you get it? Um, it's called The Last Spell. It's available on Steam Early Access, and you can get it for I think uh, $26.05. 10% off at the moment. Um, so Steam on your PC. You can download the browser uh, off your computer. And you're, you're, all uh, up in the, PC. you're all up in their DMs giving them tips. Yeah, basically. I'm, I'm hoping that they, uh, they put me in their thank yous, like, you know, in the credits. They're like, thanks to this guy for his uh, genius ideas. <laughs> uh, okay, well, it's the last spell, and uh, we thank the thin-blooded but tough Dan Morganti. <laughs> thanks, Dan. I've got to thank you for bringing the word bazoongas <laughs> back into my life. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Dirt, dirt, dirt. It's where you grow your plants. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Hey, you got some on your pants. Can you stop saying about dirt? Digger. No! <laughs> oh, what did you get in your last never? No, I got in it okay. Because oh. it's more poetic that way where you stop Oh, you finally singing stopped singing about dirt. Yeah. Oh, there like we go. This last time. Okay. It is the last time. Digger's here to get down and or dirty. G'day, Digger. Good morning, all. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yes, it's very sad. Well, happy. Hi, Sarah. I haven't seen you for months and months and months. And very sad that, yes, uh, Jess, this is our last one. I'll message you and when I want advice on stuff. <laughs> Sounds like a fruitful relationship for yeah. you, Digger. I'll message you when I want tickets to stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, very sad and happy day. Um, but, you know, life goes on and uh, we've got to talk about plants. <laughs> Deciduous no, plants. It was a weird feeling this morning. It was like... I'm ringing into a, I don't know, dealing with a nightclub. It's one in, one out. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it is a bit sad. This whole week feels a bit like that. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 yeah, it's yeah, difficult to great, place, great place emotions, I think. Yeah, mixed emotions. Mm. Um, but anyway, let's talk plants, eh? Yep. Let's lighten, let's lighten the mood. <laughs> um, talk some plants. Um, it's Winter has kicked in. It's been bloody freezing the last couple of days, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Icy. Yesterday, I was, you know, with the kids walking the dog out in the park, and the wind was like struth. It was like straight off Antarctica. It was freezing. You always wear shorts. Were you wearing shorts still? Yeah, you have shorts and a t-shirt, yeah. but you know, it was still cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, all the classics are going to be in the nursery. So deciduous stock means that they've dropped their leaves. A lot of them will be bare-rooted. We've spoken about bare-rooted before, where they're not in their pots anymore with no soil around them. They're just in big boxes or or piles of sawdust because the trees are dormant. They don't need the soil around them. So it can lead to, you know, saving a few bucks when buying them, uh, but also gives you opportunity, which is perfect for now, that you can do a lot more mail order and getting different sorts of plants from different parts of not just Victoria but around Australia because they don't have the potential of contaminated soil on them. So you can start hitting, you know, websites and all this kind of stuff now and getting order your mail order bare-rooted deciduous stock. Does that mean it's cheaper as well because, you know, you don't, less packaging? I mean, less you yeah, know, exactly. weight? Yeah, you know, you don't, you don't pay for the pot, you don't pay for all the soils and everything and the trees are all pruned down so a little bit younger sometimes as well. So, um, yeah, you do save a little bit of money. And so if you're sticking in a bare-rooted thing now, when's the 
When's the payoff? When's the payoff? <laughs> well, you won't see anything until spring. So it will look like it's very weird. You come home from, you know, your 30 minutes of exercise. I was going to say work, but you know, that's maybe not the case. <laughs> but you come home and there's this little bag of sticks on your front doorstep and it's literally a root system with a couple of sticks on the top of it, depending on what it is. Um, if it's, You can buy bare-rooted strawberries, which is essentially just the strawberry crown, so the one node that sticks above the ground and a whole stack of root systems. You can buy asparagus crowns, which looks like a claw, and bare-rooted, and so you get them in the mail. It'll be a little sandwich bag of half a dozen little little claw-looking things. It's quite amazing, the stuff yeah. you can get bare-rooted. Oh, so I was only thinking of trees. I didn't think of... Yeah, same. You know, any no, you can stuff. get raspberry canes. So, again, Ooh. you get the root system and a little stick about the size of a pencil of a, of a HB. Um, all bare-rooted, unbelievable. What, what so would I think be the brambles... What would be the point of getting strawberries bare-rooted rather than just, like, waiting until spring and planting strawberries? It might be varieties. So some, you know, varieties would only become available as because the farmers obviously have to dig them up mm. and wash all the soil off and package them rather than have them potted up and send them to nurseries. You could get stuff from, yeah, far away. Mainly it's about finding the variety that you want. It could be uh, very specific. Are they, um, uh, can you identify... Say some deciduous trees, if there's no leaves on it, that looks totally yep. different than were it to have leaves on it, and it's like yep. a no makeup selfie or something. Like it's the same yeah. thing, but you don't know. So do them all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, is, is it? Can you spot? I know this is a, maybe enough question, but are some deciduous trees difficult for you to pin down without actually seeing the leaves themselves? Um, as far as variety of trees, so I can definitely decipher, you know, obviously most people would know what a silver birch bark looks like. So in winter you've got this beautiful white bark. But, yeah, with experience over time, yeah, I can identify the difference between apples, pears, nectarines, peaches, you know, elm tree, plane tree, all that kind of stuff, just by their bark, which is, um, you know, people think tend to forget about the beautiful ornamental value of bark in wintertime. And the skeleton of the tree. So, yeah, over time, I, I, I can't decipher between all variations of which cherry is that by looking at the tree in its dormancy. Mm-hmm. I can identify that it's a cherry but not, not the variety of fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the kind of thing that I'll text you about. I'll just take a yeah. photo of some bark and go, what bark is this? Yeah. <laughs> but not just all the food stuff. There's all the ornamental stuff. Obviously, all classic roses you can buy bare-rooted. Um, hydrangea, which are coming back into fashion. Remember the beautiful old pom-pom hydrangeas? Yeah. Yeah, they're coming way back into fashion. And especially there's a couple of different varieties that are a little bit more hard to find but highly ornamental. There's the lace cap hydrangea, which instead of being the pom-pom, if you got the pom-pom and flattened it out like a pancake and then put a lace frill around the outside edges, that's what a lace cap hydrangea looks like and they're absolutely divine. Beautiful. Cool. So if you can find them bare-rooted. There's the oak leaf hydrangea, which has amazing autumn colour, stands up a bit taller. But I wanted to talk about a couple of um, deciduous trees that you might want to find and see if you can get bare-rooted too. I bang on about food stuff all the time, but I love ornamental gardens and I love deciduous trees. So if you can find them, um, the beautiful circus or the forest pansy. Now, yeah, you probably would have seen them and not recognised them. It has the most diverse colour and deep plum colours in its autumn colour. And it does have beautiful pink foliage in the springtime. And then the leaves turn green in in the deep summer. Mm. But it's a small, ornamental, beautiful tree. The ginkgo is one worth looking out for. Have you guys ever seen a ginkgo? No, I'm Googling it. Is right that a vitamin? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, it comes from the, you know, ginkgo huh. is used in, in Asian medicines and treatments for centuries and for millennia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has the most beautiful <gasps> butter yellow autumn-coloured leaf it's that you've ever seen. It's the most beautiful yellow, in, I think, in the plant world. It's absolutely magnificent. Wow. It is butter um, yellow. You're very good at defining descriptive colours. Butter yellow, uh, yeah. <laughs> it mean, is butter, isn't it? Yeah, it I is. Butter, buttery yellow. When the, when the sun comes through it, it almost looks like it's electrified. It's, it's so bright yellow. It's beautiful. Um, and one last one to, to really plug is the Chinese pistachio. Now, it's not an edible pistachio. It's an ornamental one. It does produce fruits and nuts, but they're, they're, I wouldn't suggest eating them. 
But big call. But I think this is probably the most unmatched autumn colour tree Ooh, yeah. out there oh. that you could plant. It's like a fruit the, tingle. The, pardon? It's like a fruit tingle. Yeah, they're just, they're just multicoloured. The leaves get all these layers of colours through them as they go in dormancy. And it's quite a unique shape leaf as well. Um, super hardy plant, small to medium size, great in the suburbs. So get out there, start looking at catalogues. Hopefully this week you know, the things will lift and we'll be able to get out next week and get into nurseries because the, the stocks have already would have come in before lockdown. So hopefully the nurseries are full and you can start looking at beautiful deciduous stock that you could be putting in the ground you, or in pots. Do you know where we can see a ginkgo tree in Melbourne? Um, yeah, if you go to the Royal Botanic Gardens and if you walk past the native forest, so if you go through where the Ian Potter Garden is, the children's garden, just head straight, follow that path, straight, 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 um, past the native forest walk and then where there's camellia on the corner, on the left-hand corner is a camellia, turn left up that path Jesus and what? on your immediate right is a ginkgo. All right. I'm sorry, Thanks, Rain Digger, Man. the only person in... <laughs> Australia, who could say, where could I find this tree? And you could lead us specifically to that tree. <laughs> wow! In the Royal Botanic Gardens, that's amazing. Yeah, that's you know, I spend my life walking around looking at plants, and I remember all the special ones. Yeah. Oh. Can't believe you described as butter yellow, and Sarah goes fruit tingle. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that afterwards. Yeah. Thanks for pointing it out. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so get out there, look at catalogues and look for beautiful deciduous stock right down from tiny little ground covers right up to full-size trees. You can get things bare-rooted. Really amazing. All right. Uh, Digger, Jez, any parting words? Uh, If I could say quick, Jez, Jez, it's been such an honour and a privilege and I'm really going to miss you. I'm going to miss the laughs. I'm going to miss hearing your stories, not just while I'm on air. So, Darling, you know, may all your seeds germinate, may your fruit ripen, and, yeah, thanks so much and all the best. Oh, thanks very much. I will text you, guys, is this fruit ripe yet? Um, <laughs> but it's it's been an absolute pleasure, and I've learnt heaps from you. So thank you very much. Pleasure, Dan. Triple R. From Melbourne Museum, Simon Bugman Hinkley joins us for Feature Creatures. Morning, Simon. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. What what have you got in store? Well, I thought in honour of the Tokyo Olympics, which hopefully will go ahead next month, that uh, if they don't, we'd look at uh, the Insect Olympics or maybe Invertebrate Olympics and sort of have a look at a bit of the sort of the the best, the fastest, the smallest, the worst, all that sort of stuff. And some of these things we will have looked at um, over the last few years. So it's it's not a test or anything, but I will be fairly disappointed if people don't remember <laughs> some of the things that we've spoken about. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, in terms of the uh, the insects, we're looking we're picking out of about a, about a million species. So there's a lot of uh, different categories, and there's a lot of uh, species that could be winners. And if we were doing the Olympics about 275 million years ago, uh, the the biggest insect would be a species of dragonfly, which was had a wingspan of about 75 centimeters and weighed um, same as about a crow. So for those people who have a phobia of dragonflies, these are good times. So we'll bring it back to to the now. Um, so I guess the first and what I thought would be easiest would be the biggest insect. Uh, but then I found, of course, that biggest is variable and depends on some people go weight, some people go length, some people go wingspan. But if we were going for like longest insect, what would be your first sort of, what would be your first guess for the longest insect in the world? Centipede. No, I don't know. Like some kind of peed. Some some kind of giant. Yeah, like a millipede or a centipede or something. One of those giant ones. I do, I do like, I do like that. And there are some some whoppers, but um, it's actually a stick insect from China. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say stick insect. No, I wasn't. If you were going to say it, that counts. I always think when you're doing a quiz, if it was in your head and you were going to say it, yeah, yeah. We're going to say yeah. Anyway, I see. You've listened to our breakfasters quiz before. Um, there is one up in northern Australia, Tenomorpha gargantua, which is about sort of 23, 24. So we, we just picked on the, the, the largest stick insect in the world. And then you've got um, weight, 
so there are uh, wetters. I don't know if anyone's been to New Zealand and seen a wetter. There are a group of insects from the orthopterans, so like the crickets and grasshoppers, and they're really amazing sort of primitive-looking insects. They can weigh uh, the same as a small bird, and quite a few of those are threatened because uh, when we got when we brought rats and everything to New Zealand, they went they dined out on wetters and all the ground-dwelling birds and stuff. So uh, the wetters are probably amongst the heaviest insects. And then when we're looking at wing span, we've got like atlas and white witch moths were about 11 to 14 inches, so very large wingspan. But the largest wing area is the Hercules moth, which occurs up in northern Australia. Yeah, you I talked really, about really... them. Yes. So thank... there we yeah, go, point, point to Geraldine. Yep, point to Geraldine and also the point for the thinking about the the, um, the stick insect before. So, so well done. Um, and then from the biggest, obviously, we go the smallest. And this, I was very impressed. I, I actually didn't know um, some of these things that I'm about to talk about now. But if you had to say the smallest insect, um, what sort of, what would you guess and what sort of, what well, just group and what sort of size? Fleas. Might. Oh. Mm. Fleas are good. Um, mite is an invertebrate, but not an insect. It's got too many legs. The mite ah, has eight legs. Can't believe you didn't know uh, that, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking Daniel, I was wrong. That was a, Daniel knew that. He was just bringing that up to, so that we could use that as a teaching exercise. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's actually a, um, a species of wasp, and it, the males are wingless, and they're 0.1 of a millimetre. So if you think about your wow. wooden ruler from when you are in school and think mm. about, like, you know, the, the 10 millimetres to get a centimetre, and then a tenth of a millimetre is this is the male of this species of wasp, which I thought was um, just sort of a bit mind-blowing that you could have an insect going about doing its thing being that small. How do they get around? Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry Daniel, how, how do they get around? Yeah. They're parasites of um, insect eggs, and they basically don't leave, they hardly leave the egg. So they really, they're wingless, the males are wingless and blind, and they pretty much don't move. And they end up um, reproducing with their, basically their sisters in the egg. So it's a little bit on the on the weird side. Um, I mean, and I, when I was reading that, I thought we've got to do a, a reproductive, the next talk we've got to do weird reproductive strategies. So, yeah. That's so odd. Like, why do they exist? That's so strange, isn't it? it actually, that is... <laughs> <laughs> there are so many things that you read about and you go, what is your point? What are you yeah. doing? Now, I don't know if these contribute anything. I guess they might be keeping the population of the species they're parasitising under control. Oh. So they'll obviously be having some impact on the, on that species. But it's interesting when they drill down and down, you know, that saying, you know, the flea upon the back of the flea upon the back of the flea. When they drill down and down, there's just so much going on at that micro level that we have no idea about. So it's it's really quite amazing. Um Best dancer. And this isn't just insects. So for a bit of a hint, this these might oh, be eight-legged is, things here. This is that peacock spider. Oh, Geraldine's on fire. Hello. Peacock spiders. Ding, yeah, ding, there's ding. no That's doubt about the peacock points. spiders, I think, being the best dancers. And just as a reminder to people, if you're feeling a bit down today, Google peacock spiders staying alive Saturday night, um, <laughs> staying alive, and it's, it's fantastic. Uh, longest lived. Hmm. Hey. Longest lived, Daniel. Yeah, like a, she's, a, she's a queen. Oh, the bee. Not bad. It's actually the termite. So there's a species of termite <laughs> queen that can live uh, fifty to a hundred years, and she's pumping out hundreds, well, oh hundreds of God. thousands of eggs over her life. So she is an egg machine, oh egg laying machine for up to a hundred years. So. Oh mate. Oh. Yeah. What a life! Not, not what a life! What would you rather be—the legless, pointless blob? Yeah, which is the one? That... Or the queen pumping out <laughs> eggs for a hundred years? Mm. I was just thinking, sitting in the dark, laying eggs for a hundred years. It doesn't sound like the best gig, but I mean, I guess you are—you know—food is brought to you, you're cared yeah. for, you're cleaned, all that sort of stuff. So pop a bit yeah. of Netflix on. Netflix and chill with the sister. Yeah. <laughs> what? What is that? Uh, what is the name of that gross little indolent bug? Oh, it's um. I forgot to say. Sorry, it's Dicopomorpha ecmepterygis. It's a little yeah. So it doesn't even have a common name. So, that's <laughs> a big name. so pointless, yeah, so complicated. Yeah. yeah. What was what did you say? They're a useless little blob, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, high jump. Oh, like a mite? Or a flea again? Yeah. Flea. 
Yeah. Oh, fleas yeah, fleas right. are really, really good. They can jump about it's like 130 to like 200 times their, their body size. So really, really impressive. And if you look at one under a microscope, you can see the enlarged hind legs. And obviously that's to jump on and off things like us or cats or dogs or whatever as they go past. One other one that I didn't realise was so impressive was the spittle bug. Do you, do you guys know the little thing that lives in the little sort of ball of spit? Oh, nut. Oh, okay. So spittle bugs, they produce, they feed on plant uh, juice and then they excrete that, they mix it with air and they, they get this little um, bubble, a uh, little ball of bubbles. And they basically live in that because it protects them from predators, it protects them from temperature extreme and from, from drying out. So we're talking really, really little things here, like, you know, millimetres. But what they can do is they lock their hind legs under their thorax and they generate energy. So it's basically like a stretched catapult waiting to be pushed. And when they go, they they go off, you know, like dozens and dozens and dozens of times their size. But what's really, really amazing is the force on their body is more than 400 times the gravitational force. So, you know, when we say, oh, an astronaut is subjected to 7 Gs or whatever, these things are subjected to 400 Gs of force on their body when they take off. And so the average person passes out at about sort of 2, 3, 4 Gs. So the pressure on their body for this little sort of unhardened insect that lives in spit is really phenomenal. Wow. What happens when they land? Or I'm just, assuming they've got the landing down pat, otherwise they'd be, they wouldn't be still here. But that, that's an excellent question. But So they're basically jumping to avoid predation or to jump onto another plant source. So they have very good eyes to be able to sort of see, you know, if something's coming for them. So, yeah, they, they've managed over time to to, um, to hit the landing. Actually, they might also fall in the uh, gymnast category of best landing, but they have managed to to, uh, to get that right. I yeah. want to be that little oh, psycho. I, that's a great <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I did um, – we don't have to sort of go – too basic but and too juvenile, but I, I, I mean, I have to sort of bring it up. But if we're talking genitals, the fleas also do – the fleas also win on genital size. So the males have a penis that's two and a half times the length of their body. So they wow. win by hands down the best – well, the largest to ratio of the body penis in the insect world. Two hands down by the sounds of it. Yes. <laughs> It's so big it all has to be curled up inside the body. Oh, Geraldine so. Hickey, just walk out that door now. <laughs> that is it. That's your, fi- that's your parting gift to break fasts. <laughs> Most dangerous. Uh, to, to who? To themselves? Or? <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> um, to, to, so, good, good question. Most dangerous to humans. Daniel, I reckon right. you've got this one in there. Oh, is it another spider? <laughs> <laughs> You've really given no, up. It's, um, actually, well, that, that is sort of the go-to thing that people say, oh, it's a new funnel web, black widow, redback spider. It's actually Scorpion. the mosquito, which oh, is responsible for about, I think about a, up to a million deaths each year. And obviously it's not because they're venomous. It's because they are vectors of blood-borne diseases like malaria, dengue fever, all that sort of stuff. So definitely the mosquito wins that, the mosquito wins that one. Vector. Vector. Uh, now, this is for Sarah, and I'm sorry to bring this up because I know it's it's not pleasant for you, but worst mating strategy in, in <laughs> our eyes. Why is this for me? Um, oh, I don't know, anything that's violent and visual. <laughs> uh, bed bugs. Oh. Ah. The old traumatic insemination. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, so tell we, us that what again. about that? I've forgotten about this. Yeah, so the traumatic insemination is basically bed bugs. The males... Um, what they do is they basically stab the the female in the abdomen. What about the uh, They'll also stab passing males. They'll also stab other species. So they're not too picky. But basically instead of having like a, you know, uh, you put your penis here into a defined right spot, they'll just stab and, and inject the sperm into the female's abdominal cavity and it makes its way from there. So it does actually cause a wound to the female because they, they stab the female. So... It's sort of like um, an arms race where the female has to uh, sort of toughen parts of herself or try to avoid being stabbed. So it's a weird strategy that the, the, the species is in where it's like the male causes damage to the female, but it obviously pays off because bed bugs are very, very common. And the other one that I thought was amazing was the water strider where the male is on top of the female and if she doesn't want to mate with him, she can close her genital shield. She has a shield to stop him being able to mate. If, he does, if she does that, he starts to tap on the water 
And what that does is it alerts fish in the stream that there's, they're on top of the water. And if the fish come up to eat them, she's on the bottom. So she'll get taken first. So she has to make the decision, does she open the shield and then he'll stop tapping or does she risk being eaten? So there's some really, in our eyes, unpleasant, uh, very dubious reproductive strategies. Uh, but it sort of, it sort of works. But um, rather than end on that nasty note, let's just finish on the loudest. Yeah, please take it somewhere else. The loudest. Yeah, the loudest. Yeah. What, like a t- cicada? Oh, Geraldine. Gold medal for Geraldine. I think oh, you've got the most points. Yes. Cicadas. Yep. There's one in Africa that can generate up to about 120 decibels and a chainsaw is about 110. <gasps> so it's actually damaging. You know, if you were under a tree full Whoa. of those, you know, you're going to be bleeding from the ears. So, um, oh. yeah, cicadas are very, very impressive. Are you fascinated by what's going on with all the cicadas in the Northern Hemisphere right now? I did see a bit about that. It, it's um, it's amazing. I mean, the cicadas are a really, really uh, amazing group, and Australia's got hundreds and hundreds. And speaking of their songs, they're all um, species specific. So if if you can record them and put them through a computer, and you you know you have a template for the various species, they're all uh, species specific. But they're they're fantastic insects, and they have such great names like you know Green Grocer, Blue Monday. Mm. Uh, yeah, all sorts of masked devil. There's some great names for cicadas. What a fantastic run through! Gold, gold, gold for Hinkers. Thank you. <laughs> Who's uh, and any Got final it. any final words? Oh, come and see the treasures exhibition at the museum when we're open from the Natural History Museum in London. Simon Hinkley, thanks very much. Thank you. Triple. Ah. Earlier, before when we had uh, lots of random songs played in a row and then like we're trying to get onto your mates, the Kates, who have been a big part of this show uh, and a big part of your life, I guess. Um, and we finally got them here on the line. Um, hello. Hello. Oh, there they are. Oh, they are there. Hello, Kate McLennan and Kate McCartney. Um, Jed, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to throw it over to you guys now. All right. All right. All right, well, we've, we've prepared something, so let's go. Yeah. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday to you. Let's get this right, haven't we? Yeah, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, mates. I love your backdrop. Just a big – I can't even see your faces. I just see the face of a big croc in between you. Yeah. So that's I nice. To, I, I just Googled crocodile pictures and I found my favourite one and I found the one that I thought spoke spoke to, to you know, you and your time on Triple R. <laughs> and he's very smiley. He's got some fine teeth on him. He, does he have a bird? No, he doesn't. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, so, Geraldine, it's your last show. Yeah. yeah. Thank Christ. Thank Christ. <laughs> Because, look, the, something that the listeners might not know um, over the last five years, that we are your muse, mm. aren't we? Mm-hmm. You, have, you, have, you have, you know, our entire friendship has been kind of looked through, through the lens of, of what can you get out of it as a story for this, for this radio show. And we're sick of it. <laughs> sick of it. Sick of it. Think of you just just sitting mining our lives, our personal lives, and our friendship for your own personal and professional gain. <laughs> what people don't know is that you don't even have dogs. Uh. <laughs> we, fun fact, fun fact, cat doesn't exist. It's just me playing a character. Nobody <laughs> knows that. It's Trevor. The lesbian pit. That's me. <laughs> I'm the one that built a lesbian pig in my backyard. <laughs> You're such an ally. <laughs> um, thanks, mates. We're, we're just, we're very, we're very, um, I'm personally very sad that you're leaving because, yeah. you know, I'd like to just, because, you know, I, I don't get to see you as often as I used to when we were, you know, gigging comedians back in um, 1983. <laughs> But it's nice to be able to turn on the radio every morning and, you know, one of my best mates is there and I can just pretend that I'm in the same room as you. Mm. And sometimes I still send you text messages just like I just send you messages just to let you know I'm awake and I'm listening to you. Like I'm just kind of, you know, as if you need my support, as if I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a midnight shift. <laughs> 
that's a very sad that you're going, but I'm so excited for what, you know, lies ahead. I think, so yeah, I think listeners should also be aware that, Kate, if it wasn't for you, I don't know if I would be here because you were the one that gave us the... I got the, got the phone call from Chris Hatzis about doing the download as a summer feel and I came to you and Edo. I said, guys, what do you want to do? Should we do this? You know, it's no money or anything, but, you know, do you want to do it? And, Kate, you were the one that said, nah, Triple R listeners buy tickets. <laughs> She's a genius, isn't she? And they do, because I've sold out many shows since, and that's all thanks to the Triple R, you know, listeners. So, but it's thank you. Slow burn, slow burn, just to get people to buy tickets to your show. <laughs> You've gotten up at four o'clock every morning for five years, <laughs> just so you can sell out your show at the comedy festival. Well, it worked. <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> you put it in. You put in the hard yards, Jezza. You know, we started with that show, the download. Um, and of course we had the, you know, we had a few different ridiculous segments on that, like, you know, the snap of the dog where we just did a whole like 15 minute, 20 minute segment on how a hot dog snaps when you eat it. <laughs> and if, if a hot dog has a center slit or not, <laughs> we do about 10 minutes just talking about center slits and we thought it was so funny. It was funny. <laughs> Anyway, it's um, you know, it's that was a while ago now, but it's nice, you know, that you you you're jumping out now, mm. giving someone else a go. Mm. Um, we're very proud of you, Jezza. We can't wait to see what you do next, Geraldine Hickey. Thank you. Particularly if it involves massive crocs. <laughs> <laughs> Triple R. All right, that's um, Mike's on for the very last time here with Geraldine Hickey. We we, we were meant to have about 20 minutes, me and Daniel, with you at the end of the show, and it's been eaten into, but Bigsy's just going to suck it up and wait a little while. (laughs) Uh, The Breakfast is Live would ordinarily be in this spot, but, uh, of course... There was a pandemic, and in its place, you created the quiz, you created the Breakfast's Breakdown quiz. So I thought, let's do a Breakfast's Breakdown quiz of Geraldine Hickey's tenure. Yay! Do you know what? I almost did a quiz yesterday in in lieu of... I thought a quiz wouldn't come up today, and I thought, all right, I'll do one for yesterday, and all the questions were about me. (laughs) And then I I asked Smithy, I'm like, do you... Because I just... And she said, oh, maybe just leave... Anyway, here we are. Here we are. Uh, Well, it'll, Sarah, I wonder if Sarah knows your life better than you know your own life. Mm. We'll find out. So it's Sarah and I versus each other. Yeah, let's do that. So let's hear your buzzer. Do you want to go first? Yeah. My buzzer is Geraldine Hickey. Mine's Smithy. (laughs) Okay. Question one for the breakfast. Geraldine Hickey's final breakfast. Do you have the music? I just realised we forgot to get it off you. We were meant to be organised, more organised than this. Um, I can, I can get the music. Well, I wasn't sure if we should take the IP of the original. Oh, I see. Oh my God, Jess, you're no, t- but I don't think it's, in. I don't think it's the same unless you have the music. Yeah, you got to okay. have the music. Right, I think right. it's, I think it's important. So. One attending her first Essendon Bombers chairman's lunch, Geraldine was served chicken and salad while seated at a table with what three other Melbourne personalities? Smithy. Ge- oh, I can't remember. Well, no, I, it's you don't get Ger- to You've buzzed in. Oh, oh, yeah. buzzed. oh, you weren't just asking me. Okay, yeah, so yeah. going to be confusing oh, with God. names as buzzers. That's that's my buzzer. Um, I sat with uh, Kevin Sheedy. Yeah. Nick Giannopoulos. That's right. <laughs> and. Um, Paul Salmon, the fish. Yeah. Yep. That's the, we'll accept that. There was also Lawrence Mooney there, yeah. and uh, did that event give rise to one of the show's great unofficial catchphrases? Uh, oh yes, I did hear the story from that. Is um, Lawrence Mooney had done a gig, and a corporate like an AFL gig, and no one was really listening. <laughs> And he struggled through it and Kevin Sheedy came up to him and after the gig and shook his hand and he said and said, 
a terrific job under trying circumstances. <laughs> and yes. to, that has been the ca- the catchphrase of the breakfasts for the last five years. So. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, more so than this morning. That's yeah. right. Uh, question two at the 2018 Royal Melbourne Show. Never having attended as a child, Geraldine regretted having bought what show bag? Do you already, Nikki? Yeah. The world's greatest show bag? No. Oh. Uh, gosh, what was it? Um, uh, Willy Wonka? That's right. You got oh, two yeah. Willy Wonka oh. show bags. Uh, there was one for $12 or two for $15. I got two for 15 <laughs> That's yeah. right. But like was... bloody nerds coming out my ears. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no chocolate. Yeah. Uh, a dentist who took on a nervous Geraldine as a client, introduced her to gas and played on the television above what during the dental procedure? Geraldine Hickey. Yes. Was it The Lion King? No. Smithy? Yep. It was like a nature documentary. Oh, I knew there was lions. Mm. Wolves pouncing around a deer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. no lions. Dances with wolves. Uh, question four. In one of your first ever media segments, who in the news did you claim said of your comedy, I'm your biggest fan? Smithy. That would be Archbishop George Pell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that dated so well, didn't it? Yeah. Could not put that on a poster. Uh, so that's 20 years ago that you travelled together. Oh yeah, it was too. Mm. Yeah, well, twenty twenty one years ago yeah, it was right. the, the the jubilee year of. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, in, a seg- in a segment on fad diets, food interluder Michael Harden introduced listeners to the snake diet, which involved what practice? Smithy. Yes. Eating snakes. No. Derrida and Hickey. Uh, eating one giant rat. No, good guess though. Uh, it's eating two hours like a pig or a snake and 22 hours star- starving except for snake juice, which is salty water. Oh. Travelling to Albury for her parents' 50th wedding anniversary, what was Geraldine worried her dad would do when invited during the ceremony to renew his marriage vows? Oh, s- Smithy. What? Um, like, not accept? <laughs> <laughs> not want to go through with it again? Yeah. But he did it. It was very lovely. Yeah, it was. And that's, I want to say, just this is a a sombre note, but you're holding, introducing us to the themes and the realities and the the life of a family member with dementia has been so illuminating. Mm. And one of the great things about Breakfasters is the light and shade that you provide and that the show provides. And thank you for that, introducing us to your family. I'll play this for Dad and then he'll forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, released on August 7, 2020, was what song Geraldine was unable to hear become a major hit? Oh, Smithy. Yep. Wap. Yeah. <laughs> when asked Pussy, I read- no idea. <laughs> when asked Pussy. I, I remember, yeah, it was so exci- you were so excited about playing it <laughs> and we couldn't hear it. Like, oh, here's this great song that's going to break all these boundaries and blah. Anyway, here's... Wet ass pussy, and we're just Daniel and I sat there going, oh, "I'm sure it's terrific." <laughs> <laughs> we can't hear a thing. All right, left alone with pies at a picnic as her friends went for a book wash, a book bush walk. Geraldine claims to have heard what creature make an unusual noise? Wet ass pussy. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why. That's why it became that. Um. Oh my god, it's gone. Okay. I'm gonna have to give it to you. You just gotta walk away with this one. Uh, a magpie bird. What's that? <laughs> I couldn't remember which bird it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, question nine. The mics having having been accidentally left oh, on before Breakfast's oh. show while broadcasting from home uh, ruined the end of what overnight pop up show? Smithy. Yeah. It was Liz Watt. Yeah. Low yeah. wattage, and I can't apologise enough. <laughs> and Gerald and Hickey, we had the most boring conversation. That oh. you could, if you thought you were going to get some secret goss about what happened when things were off Mikey, it was me and Jez having a chat about the birds she'd seen the day before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hot goss. And uh, the final one, despite recording no possessions during the game, Geraldine's last appearance in the 2019 Community Cup was memorable for what play? Smithy. I did a really great shepherd. It was just a fantastic <laughs> shepherd. <laughs> Pull my arms out, bum out. I stopped them from getting to the ball and I saved the day. You really did. Geraldine, you romped at home. That was the last question. Good on me. I did it. Um, now, Jezza, me and Daniel also just wanted to give you some presents before you I can went. see that Should bottle of whiskey. I can see it. All right. So I'm very first, excited. So first... Dan- oh yes, Daniel. Oh yeah, there's a there's a 
massive pack of microwave popcorn, which Geraldine <laughs> likes for some reason. Yeah, I'm just obsessed because I can't go to the movies, so I just have to make do with microwave popcorn. And here's a bottle of beautiful whiskey for you to... How do you know it's beautiful if you oh, had it? It's scotch whiskey. Yeah, well, yeah. Daniel knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. He, he had to enjoy mold. That's he had what to we like. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. What do you think of that? That's nice. Um, um, and we will leave the last words to you, but I guess... I mean, earlier in the show, Daniel was like, how do you feel about Jez leaving? And I'm like, oh... Anyway, now I can't talk. Now you have to talk. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, it's been an absolute privilege. I'm going to miss desperately turning the corner every morning into the studio and seeing your warm face. And when you're there, you're like, no, the show's going to be fine. And uh, the sense of stability that you provide and sense of fun and the, the safety, but also the excitement and the warmth is going to be deeply, sorely missed. Not only just for listeners, but for me. I've loved... Uh, being on air with you, um, when the history of this station is written again, uh, <laughs> you will be legendary for the role that you provided for this city and beyond during all of these lockdowns. And uh, it's been an absolute privilege to be paddling like a duck underneath to make it look easy on top. Thank you, Geraldine. And Jez, um, I keep trying to... I was going like... <laughs> I tried writing something down. I was like, I don't know how to write this down. But as um, when Daniel was saying earlier and I was like working in this job is sometimes like hanging out with your life partner. Sorry, again, Kath. Um, I think I had no idea. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. No. I just want to take <laughs> I'm so sorry. Keep going, mate. You're doing a great job. I had a baby and it really fucked my head up. Like, oh, God, my emotions are so... Anyway, um, Jez, I... Um, I had no idea what I was getting into when I met you like five years ago or something. And we were stuck in a studio together for the first time, having not really met one another. You um, made that first two weeks that we were just hanging out doing a show together such a fun two weeks. And I thought by the end of that how weird I feel like I know this person so well and we've just done this random two weeks on air together and I think for me that kind of sums up you as a human being and as a breakfaster that every single person who listens to you every morning and everyone who meets you walks away from a conversation or hearing a story of yours and goes oh I feel like I've just hung out with my best mate for a couple of minutes and I think that's just testament to you as a human being and a performer and as a friend and as a colleague um when I was at your award-winning comedy show early this year you were telling all of these stories and I was like going to my mate next to me oh I was there for that oh that was me oh I was there for that oh that was me oh yeah I gave her that and it was in that moment that I realized how weirdly intertwined um your life is with the with with the other your co-host in this job um and that's because you opened up your lives you know you opened up Mm. your life to um me and Daniel as a friend and to all the listeners as well and um, I just can't thank you enough for that. Yeah. You're an extraordinary human being, and I'm very lucky to have you as my life partner. Sorry, Kat. <laughs> right. um, yeah, Geraldine. We love you, Geraldine. Thank you yeah. for sharing so much of your life with us. Um, obviously, I love you too. And I'm only just now realising that um, maybe I should have prepared a little farewell <laughs> thing to say, but I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, what do you say? Um I don't think anyone will truly understand the relationship that the three of us have had and will have and will have forever, um, and Jeff Sparrow's in, included in that. It really is a, quite a unique thing to be able to come in every morning and just kind of... The the moments before the mics come on are something that I'll treasure forever. Um, and I think, um, you know... Triple R is such a, a part of my life now in a way that I never thought possible. Um, and it's like what Kath was saying before, and it's something that I haven't factored in is how much of a support it is, the whole community. This is a, a really... Um, it's a really special community to be, to be a part of, and that includes everyone at the station, and that includes all the listeners. Um, and put a track on. <laughs> no, 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 don't put a track on. It's, I can get through this. And I think, you know, and I'm reading all the messages and um, and stuff and it's really quite, um, you know, I, it's it's weird to, to know that you've um, 
connected with a lot of people because you don't it's something that you don't see you just kind of you, you don't even think about it and then when you all these messages come through and it's really lovely and nice and it's you know in over the last you know last year we knew that it was absolutely horrible and to know that we all had each other and there was some sort of there's this really special connection that we all have now and it's it's such an honor to be a, a part of that we did it we did it. We did it. Mm. Oh, that was not... That was, <laughs> that's not is, what you wanted that, to play? That's not what I wanted to play. <laughs> this was a song that, um, anyway, I don't think it's ever been played on Triple R before, but I feel like that's kind oh, of fitting. Yeah. Maybe. This is for you, Jess. That's I need you, my heart's on fire. <laughs> You've been listening to a podcast of the best bits of the Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with Breakfasters via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or via the Triple R website. See you, Jez. Bye, Bye Jez. mates.